You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. Hello and welcome back to The Way Home Podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. Uh, We are in the midst of a special series of Easter as we turn our hearts toward the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is in conjunction with the release of my book, The Characters of Easter, The Villains, Heroes, Cowards, and Crooks Who Witnessed History's Biggest Miracle. You can get this book wherever uh, books are sold. Uh, You can also go to danieldarling.com slash Easter to find out more information about the characters of Easter and download free stuff for your church, whether it's study guides, sermon prep, all kinds of graphics if you want to do this in a small group or church campaign. Okay, we have another great guest to talk about Easter today, and this is my good buddy, Dean and Sarah. He's been on the podcast before. You've heard him. Dean and I are really good friends. We probably text each other multiple times a day. Uh, He is the founder and senior pastor of City Church in Tallahassee. Just an incredible story. He started this church with a a few people in his parents' home. He just had a vision to reach uh, his hometown that he grew up in, in Tallahassee. He loves his city. If you go down there, he's like mayor of the city. They do an incredible work there uh, among the students of Florida State and just have, have a great gospel ministry. He's also an author. He's written a couple of books perhaps his most well-known, called The Unsaved Christian, which is a rather provocative title, really challenging people to move away from artificial, superficial religion and really encounter a relationship with Jesus by faith. I'm going to talk to Dean about what it's like to preach on Easter. Uh, You know, for pastors, this is the big day. And preaching on Easter is something we love because a lot of people still are seeking Jesus. It's interesting. He he encourages pastors not to shame people who only show up Christmas and Easter. He has a reason for that. You'll have to listen for that. He also encourages some advice about making Easter simple and not trying too hard. And I think that's interesting as well. So I'm not going to give away all of it. Uh, you're going to want to tune in, pull up a chair, and listen to this conversation with Pastor Dean and Sarah. Well, I'm glad to have my good buddy, Dean and Sarah, back on the Way Home podcast. Dean, you're back, man. Hey, one of your best buddies. Let's be real. Let's be real. And I actually think you might set the record for most times on the Way Home podcast. Man, my goal is Tom Brady level Super Bowl rings. I want seven appearances. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's not quite being on Fallon, but it's pretty close. Yeah, I think I've been on three times. So at least I have more rings than Peyton Manning already. That's right. You have you have more appearances on here than the Bears have had good quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, by the way. I know it's close to home. <laughs> so I wanted to have you on because I'm doing this special series around Easter, Holy Week, Easter, Lent. Wanted to talk to you about preaching at Easter. Uh, first of all, the last couple of years, you know, this Easter and last Easter, but probably last year through most, has, has, has to have been hard for you because I know as a pastor, the Easter's like our super, like it's it's the time you want to preach the whole year, right? Oh yeah. And so how 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 hard was it last year when you guys do a big thing for Easter in the community and you kind of had to? Yeah, man. For me personally, it was. Te- I'm just be honest, man. It was terrible. <laughs> I just it was just really hard. 
uh, because we do our Easter service at Florida State's basketball arena here in Tallahassee and get a huge crowd of people to hear the gospel, to bring their friends and bring family who don't know the Lord but are open to going to church on Easter because it's kind of what you do. Uh, and to not be able to do that, we just put so much into it. It was really hard. How to do it online, like Easter Sunday online. Oh my gosh, I think I was depressed. It was terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was just really hard for us. And, and we saw it as a so now people, again, our, our team worked hard to put out the best online service we could for people. And I, you know, preached my heart out and all those things online, but it's just not the same, man. We want to be together and celebrate on Easter. We're not, church is not meant to be a part on any Sunday, let alone the day we celebrate Easter. Yeah. I, I mean, um, this year has been hard for pastors, right? Like I know there's a lot of talk about that, but the decisions you're making opening, closing people's state of mind in, in this weird pandemic era, although it seems like we're, we're kind of heading out of that, thankfully, but just talk about that. I mean, talk about the pressure and the weirdness it's been for pastors. Yeah. Well, I hope we're heading out of it. Good gracious. Uh, but um, hopefully, you know, Easter will be able to be back to normal. We're planning right now on having our Easter service and we're going to just be, they already have a social distance uh, for the basketball team for fans already. And so we're just going to use the exact same rules the basketball team uses, you know, which is like just a few thousand people allowed to play spaced out seats reserved, you know, blocked off and masks and all that kind of stuff. You know, for pastors, I think a lot of pastors, I think maybe have realized um, a couple things. One is a positive, and I think it's really just how much we actually really do love our church. You know, guys, really, they do love their churches. It's not a job. Like, they want to be together. You know, it's not just a place where we can speak or a place where we can, you know, have our little platform. Like, people actually really do love their churches. So I'm, I'm actually happy that people have been sad in the fact we haven't met. The hard part has been, I think, from a mental health standpoint, it's been easy to be depressed because of that. I think I went through a little bit of it. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that I did. On Sunday mornings, I didn't even want to come out. and We, we taped our service during the week. I didn't even want to come out and watch it, man. It was just like, this is not how it's supposed to be. So that was hard. The other thing that's been just really discouraging is the number of people that are just indifferent towards church in general. Like they always kind of have them, but at least they felt bad about it. And now they have a built-in excuse to miss. It's almost like there's like a, a rule, an, an unofficial rule that you can't question somebody who doesn't come because of, you know, COVID fears or whatever. But when pastors, again, we're human beings and we have Instagram and Twitter and everything else and Facebook. And when you're when you're scrolling and see church members who are or in Florida, who are at Disney World, who are at weddings, who are at Florida State football games, who are out to eat, you know, who are at friends' houses, they won't come back to church because of COVID. That's really discouraging, you know. So, so I've had to really uh, just one be thankful for those who are back and ready to go, but also at the same time, like just have to kind of check my own heart in terms of bitterness and you know giving some grace and some empathy and those type of things. It's been hard, man. It really happened pressure wise. I mean, you know, it's our lives as pastors. Like our local church is like our baby, like in a good way. You know, what I mean, it's not just us. I mean, we're elders or the church family, but like this is like our lives. You know, we think about our churches all the time. You know, so when it's shut down for six months or four months or however long, I mean, it's like your part of your life's taken away from you. Uh, so it's been really hard. And pressure-wise, I think got guys trying to build back. Because I was talking to a Presbyterian pastor friend last week, and he said, man, he's talking about their church. He goes, we're a shell of ourselves, of who we used to be. And that's just hard, man. You know, so I think for us, it's just really the, the pressure is almost to build back. And I know Jesus builds his church, so I'm trying to really bank on that and keep my mind on that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think there is a kind of a longing to gather though like don't you think after all this people have a hunger to to be back in person or do you think people have built habits like part of me thinks that 
this Easter, not everywhere, because not everywhere can they meet safely, obviously. We want to add that COVID caveat. But this Easter, you know, April, to me, it seems like Easter could be an inflection point where people have said, man, we haven't gathered. We want to try to gather again on Easter. Do you think it could be a kind of a comeback Sunday for a lot of folks? I hope, you know, I was hoping Christmas Eve would be that too, you know, but, but, uh, but we didn't see too much of that. I, I, I didn't think, I don't think some, some areas did. Uh, so Easter, I, I think we really are, I know it's kind of cliche to go, there's two kinds of people, but, but like there really are, there are people who are like ready to come. Like think of my parents, for example, my dad's 70. Uh, he has prostate cancer. It just actually got cleared, praise the Lord, um, oh, from great. his radiation treatment. Also has Parkinson's disease. He wasn't staying away from his church. He loves his church. He wasn't reckless. He didn't greet like he used. He's always one of our greeters. He didn't greet like he used yeah. to. He just started back. Yeah, but he was here with the mask sitting in the back row. He'd walk in right after the service started. It'd be, usually he'd be first one here, you know, but like he loves right. our church. But but like he's someone that like as soon as church opened, he was back. You know, because he he knows that the church just yeah. be together. And then we have people who are perfectly healthy who still aren't back yet. And and mm-hmm. so I'm almost not even looking at Easter. I'm looking for the week after Easter. You know, so for the huh. folks who come back Easter Sunday and are excited and finally go, hey, it's Easter, we're going to go because it's Easter, it's a big deal. I, I just hope something clicks in them that they go, okay, this is important and I don't have the health concerns that maybe some others have, uh, that I can actually be here and be a part of my church once again. So Easter to me is like kind of like a, is it going to be very interesting to observe and to see how it happens? Then I'm, But if it's not a springboard uh, to the rest of the year, year and i don't know what's gonna be for us you know it's really tricky you know we're praying the vaccine you know that can get people back on board i have had some conversations with people a lot of other pastors have uh, who have told them hey once i you know get the second dose of the vaccine next week i'll be back hopefully people actually do follow through with that you know because i think there are people who who miss the gathering long for the gathering but i think there's just as many people who are just indifferent towards church and my hope when we bring that up is i think in discipleship conversations we have got to rediscover the role of the local church in the believer's life. And that's COVID or not COVID, just in general, and why that's significant. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, in some ways it's separating people who genuinely, you know, in terms of engagement, whether it's online or coming, people who are genuinely wanting to be part of God, the local church and uh, people who might've just been Christmas and Easter kind of Christians. You write about this in your book, The Unsaved Christian, yeah. that there's a lot of folks for whom you know, they're, they're kind of Christmas and Easter Christians. They're kind of like culturally Christian, but they really have not had a, maybe have not had a saving relationship with Christ. You actually say, and this was convicting to me, hey, on Easter and on Christmas, but let's talk Easter because that's what we're talking about. Don't shame people who might come once a year because they only come once a year. So explain why you think that's a bad approach by pastors. Well, I think God's answering our prayers to reach lost people that day, and they actually showed up. Then we give them a hard time for being there, you know. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I think we've too long have thought. Now, when I talk about the need to for the local church to be a more important part of a believer, believer's life, I specifically mean the believer. So I'm someone who thinks, that for the most part, the person that comes to church on Easter Sunday is, pro- and that's all they come, is probably not actually a born again believer. That doesn't mean they're an atheist and an agnostic. They're probably a generic theist who knows some facts about Jesus, but have never actually repented and given their lives by faith to Christ. Uh, so why in the world when God actually, every church prays for unbelievers to come every Sunday, but on Easter, we bring, they do these big pushes to bring your guests and do these type of things. And then they actually show up. God answers our prayer and we give the guy a hard time that only comes once a year. And make these kind of, they make these kind of jokes like, haven't seen you since Christmas Eve. <laughs> you know, everybody laughs. 
It's like, of course you haven't seen him since Christmas Eve. People who know Jesus don't even go to church all the time. Why does somebody who doesn't know Jesus go to church all the time, you know? So, and then also, messaging-wise, we're suggesting that someone's issue is they don't go to church. That's moralism. It's like, no, that's works righteousness, right? No, your issue is you don't know Jesus, right? You're a sinner who needs to be saved. And then once you understand that and the gospel clicks and God opens your eyes to believe and your heart to believe, then part of your discipleship process, then we'll start giving you a hard time about not coming to church, right? But we're not going to do it from the stage, you know? So that's why I really believe, I think we've we've wrongly mistaken that cultural Christianity is a discipleship issue when I argue in the book that it's actually, it's it's really an evangelism issue. As you see, people actually don't know Jesus. So them coming to church and just showing up once a year is a huge win, you know, for us to get somebody there. So when I talk about, I'm going to really be paying attention to the following weeks after Easter. That's for those who know the Lord, who are part of our church family, that have been around in a while that we hope are coming back. Talk about preaching on Easter. Good Friday, Easter, yeah. preaching in that season. What What are you thinking when you're going yeah. into that season? Number two, what advice do you give to pastors who are gearing up to preach on Easter? Okay, so I am a one-trick pony <laughs> on Easter Sunday. I'm not looking to work some exegetical miracle. I'm not trying to impress anybody. You know, I'm not doing anything obscure. I'm speaking directly to cultural Christians on that day about why the resurrection matters. And I'm probably going to be somewhere in 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul says there's no resurrection of the dead, the word to be pity, right? I mean, I'm going to go, this This means I, I want them to understand the Jesus they already think they believe in, like the Jesus they want to take the wheel with Carrie Underwood, you know, and that type of yeah. thing, kind of generic yeah. best buddy Jesus. Like the resurrection changes everything about him. And I like want them to know that. So I just go all in on that. I, like I, I preach a different one every year, like a different text, but like I'm, I'm just all in on challenging why this matters. Like I, I'm actually asking them, like, what is the point of all of this? Like, what are we actually celebrating without, without a resurrection? What you got dressed in pastels and are going to your nanas today for what for spring? It just makes no sense. So right. I try to get them to realize that I'm questioning everything about them without them actually realizing I'm doing it. <laughs> so it's like a tact way to it, you know? So I'm basically like almost taking apart uh, their cultural Christianity and their Christless religion without them even knowing I'm doing it. And then it just kind of opens eyes to go, oh, wow, okay. Like this Jesus, I almost like the Jesus that you claim to be following is not the Jesus of the Bible because I want the conclusion to, to have. And for pastors, my thing is don't overcomplicate it. I mean, hold up why the resurrection is everything and don't try to be cute. Don't try to be flashy. Just go up there and straight up declare who Jesus is and question the idols of our day compared to the risen Christ. That's what I do. Yeah, that's that's really good. And honestly, this is why, this is the whole point of everything, right? Like the yep. whole point of why you do church. This is why, you know, you started, you started City Church with a handful of people in your parents' living room, right? Yep. I mean, the reason you did that is because you really believe the resurrection is true, right? You didn't do it for any other reason. Oh, yeah. I mean, we think that Christmas worked, <laughs> right? Right. So, yeah. So that, that's what that's what Easter is for us. But I, I tell you, man, my shortest sermon writing of the year is my Easter sermon of the year, because I'm just going straight up there and being like, this is this is why we exist, because Jesus yeah. is alive, you know, because he rose from the grave. He is our purpose for gathering, our purpose for having a church. I asked my Christmas Eve sermon, too, really quick, because I'm, I'm going to go up there and go, what's the point of all this? What does it actually mean to celebrate that Christ has come, that he has been born, right? So so, so that I'm telling you, man, I, I, I worry for guys that try to like, you know, I, I don't even continue a series. Like if we're going through the book of the Bible that that season, 
and like we're in chapter 17 that week, I'm just taking a break that week. And I'm going to go do a, like a topical with a text of like, I'm actually preaching the Bible, but on basically Jesus first Seattle's of this world based on the resurrection and why it, it means everything. And, and I think at first Corinthians, Paul's just kind of own admission about how important it is and how we don't have anything to stand on without it is a really important thing to bring up and talk about as well. Yeah. I, and, um, when I think about Easter too, it's weird for Christians. Sometimes those of us have been Christians for a long time, church people for a long time in a weird way, unlike Christmas, you know, Christmas, we have six to eight weeks to think about it. We have all the feels for about eight weeks, which I love, by the way, I'm all in on that. Yeah. Like I'm listening, I'm listening to Christmas music in October. Oh, whoa. Easy tiger, easy tiger. A little too much, a little too much. But for Easter, especially if you're not like in a liturgical church or, you know, Anglican church or something like that. Easter kind of sneaks up on us in a weird way. And then and, a ba- and like, I, th- <laughs> I think we should be thinking about it more, but it just kind of sneaks up. And there's a way that Easter can kind of become almost passe, right? Yeah. I started laughing. I think about how Baptists like try so hard to be Anglican during Holy Week. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. In our tribe, you know, we love them, but it's so funny. All of yeah. a sudden they're like, they act like they're Anglican and want to pretend and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. It's like really quick. It's like, Oh wow. Next Sunday's Easter. It shouldn't be that way, but it really is. Such of those of us right. don't really follow Lent and, you know, don't go through, don't go through all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, and Lent can, I know Lent can be very meaningful for some people, but for some, it makes me laugh. It's like, I'm giving up Diet Coke for Lent. It's like, wow, Jesus died on the cross and you're giving up Diet Coke <laughs> in his name. Like, I look know. at you, you serious disciple of the Lord. Uh, but <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so it makes me laugh. But yeah, it really can. Christmas is a season. You build up to it, right? Easter, it's like, boom, here it is. Uh, so I, I, I think that's okay. You know, I think it's okay. Uh, so I, I would say that we just make sure that when we celebrate, I think Good Friday service is really important. We bring our church together on Good Friday. It's a different style service in Easter. So we always say on Good Friday, we remember, and on Easter, we party. That's what we always tell our mm, church. I like that. <laughs> that, that, that's what we do. I like that. And that's the, so you our know, Good Friday service is very somber. Like it really is. And then Easter be. man is like, you know, let's go. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it should be. And, and, you know, the thing is um, even like giving, if you, do Lent and you do the liturgy, which can be really meaningful. The whole idea of giving stuff up and fasting is that it's private, right? So I always find it (laughs) funny that people are putting on social media and Facebook, I'm giving this up so everybody can see it. Doesn't that sort of defeat the purpose of fasting? Yeah, Matthew 6, right? When you fast, don't tell anybody. When you pray, go in your room and shut the door. You know, I always tell people, don't feel, I tell folks all the time in our church, don't feel bad if you don't like praying out loud, like it makes you nervous. Don't feel like you're less of a Christian or you're bad at it or whatever. Because in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, when you pray, go in your room and shut the door so nobody can hear you, right? Like, so that yeah. maybe it's an okay thing, but it makes you uneasy to do that. So talking about on Twitter, about giving up, uh, like, desserts, is doesn't exactly make you, like, Dietrich Bonhoeffer or something. Yeah, right? yeah. Weight Watchers is not the same as Lent, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, so you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, cool beach bod. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, not, exactly. Yeah, I don't think you're suffering for Jesus, right? <laughs> so let's... Let's talk about where people are, you know, uh, are you sensing among people like in, in your community, more of an openness to hear about Christianity? Is there more hostility because of kind of the growing secularism? Has COVID impacted that? Like in your relationships around town or people that you're talking to, are people more fearful and nervous and ready to hear about the good news of the gospel or open? Like, what are you finding? I, mean, I think COVID created its own religion. And a lot mm-hmm. of people, and I don't, again, the disclaimer of, I'm not talking about the person that has just trying to care about their health and care about the health of others. I'm not talking about that person. I'm talking about the person that eats, sleeps, breathes COVID. 
it's like the air they breathe. Like they won't even like hug their grandmother. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, it's like right. a year later kind of person. And, and so, and they talk about it all the time, post about it all the time. It's just everything is that if you, if you're not as outraged or let me rephrase that, if you're not as careful as they are about every little detail of COVID, then you are reckless. You have no compassion. I mean, that kind of person, you know, I've seen a lot of that work for people that are more like on the, the fringe of Christian, not really kind of there, kind of not sometimes uh, that person is, man, it's like this, like filled a gap almost because we got to mm-hmm. feel righteous about something, right? Like we're always seeking yeah. for some sort of fulfillment, uh, some sort of virtue. You know, thankfully for people who believe the gospel, Christ is our righteousness. So I don't got to go find it and everything else. Uh, but we were, I, I've seen it like almost be like a substitute religion for people as a way for them to feel righteous. If that person, I'm not seeing them be very open to hearing uh, because their entire life just revolves around COVID. And as they like to say, being safe, you know, and, and then, and then, you know, lecturing and, you know, to everyone who doesn't go do the exact same things they do, you know, I mean, it's almost like uh, the mask is like their Bible with a disclaimer that I'm all for masks. I think it's important that type of thing. It's almost like it's their Bible, right? So it become a thing uh, for some, you know, I, I see that they just don't know what to do. And that's the person I'm trying to give a lot of grace to, uh, because the, yes, they're believers, but like, there's this important virus that by, by important, I mean, we need to be careful of, but they're just trying to figure out how does this, how does our family rhythm work now? How, how does school work? How to working from home and my kids, I've seen a lot of people just like are looking for some kind of normalcy in their life. And they're, maybe they're lonely and they just want friends again, or they miss that mom's play group they used to have. And I encourage those people, please bring them back. Just use some caution along the way. You know, somebody's sick, don't bring them. You know, if, if you know, wear a mask if you have to, like whatever it might be. So I'm not seeing this like post-September 11th, uh, 2001. I'm so open to religious things. I'm not seeing that as much as I am at revealing to us these substitute religions that we grab onto. But I think do make for a good gospel conversation. Because then what again do when all this goes away? What's going to be the next thing? Right. What's going to be the next thing that you're like Mr. Virtue about and that type of deal. So that's allowed me some gospel conversations by not being afraid to call it the new religion. But, you know, in, yeah. you know, in a social media world, there's no nuance. You don't, you're, not, you're not. That means that, of course, that you think that you're reckless. You don't think it's serious. Like, well, I didn't say any of those kind of things. You know, what I'm saying is make sure that this is not your righteousness. This is not your virtue signaling. And I posted that not long ago. And I had a, a an infectious disease doctor send me a message that he agreed with me on that, that public health is really serious. We need to take COVID very seriously, but how easy it can become one's religion, one's righteousness, one's virtue, uh, other things we signal. It does seem like a lot of people are, are filling that, that hole in people's hearts with things that they're treating as a religion. So oh yeah, you know, health, health and safety can be politics. We've seen that in the last year, oh my left and right. Oh, that yeah. politics has become a religion. I mean, we we joke about it all the time, but there's a there's a real incentive on social to declare your righteousness. I think of that story that Jesus told about the Pharisee in the temple and the tax collector, and you know, I'm so glad I'm not that person. It's amazing to see this play out on social. That you know, you're constantly lecturing, you're constantly declaring. I just want everyone to know, I'm not I'm not that person. I'm this person. I'm not that kind of Christian. Yeah, it, it, it's like one of the new like badges of honor to like declare that. And for people, they usually buy that. They just they just really just want more left leaning people to like them and to like applaud them and to think that they're okay. And, and so it's almost like their entire 
social media life is geared around making sure that people who are more liberal Christians think they're cool and nice and not one of those kind of Christians. It's really, but again, yeah. all goes back to just kind of self-serving. It's, it's, it's a substitute religion. It's the religion of yeah. affirmation, right? Of applause, of inclusion, of, of those type of things in certain groups and certain tribes. Yeah. And it wears you out, right? Like, oh my gosh, I think yes. people are worn out and it makes them worn out, which is where like, you know, if we're, if we're wise, the message of Easter can totally, you can just gently point people and say, there's actually a better thing to put your faith in much better, gonna wear you. much that's, better. You know, one that is out. actually is the same yesterday, today and forever. And the resurrection proves we can trust that and believe that. Yeah, that's great. Well, Dean and Sarah, my uh, really, really, really good friend that I text with every day pastor of city church in Tallahassee, author of several books. What's the latest book that you're working on right now? So on May 6th, my book, getting over yourself is coming out. Ooh, I love that. That's a look at what I call the new prosperity gospel. Uh, that's very prevalent in pop Christianity. It's not the old prosperity gospel you think of, and that still exists of course, but it's not the TBN Benny Hinn kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's more the kind of cool hip Instagram version of it. Uh, that I think is really causing a discipleship crisis uh, of a lot of false promises of uh, people that have faith that's an inch deep, uh, that's very just experience and emotions based. And we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm not. It's not all critical. It's going to look at why this is a thing, why we need to talk about it, and also write real Christ-centered solutions about how not to have a me-centered faith. It's all about me, rather centered on Christ. I hope it can be helpful for people. I love the title. It's very subtle. Yeah. <laughs> Unsafe Christian, get it over yourself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, be looking for that, folks. Yeah, uh, get over yourself. But, Dane, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at Dan Darling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Daniel M. Darling. I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book called The Characters of Easter. It's out with Moody Press. Thank you for listening again to The Way Home Podcast. This is a production of the National Religious Broadcasters. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. <laughs>